0: Thank you. possibilities, discussions with fascinating people, designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome everybody again to another episode of our show, Bring you another really fascinating guest today, uh, helping to create a better tomorrow on some really unique fronts. Um, We have the honor today of being joined by Michael Lahif, who currently serves uh, as chairman and chief executive officer of a company uh, here in the Philadelphia area called Zero Eyes, which is a an intelligent video analytics company that uses artificial intelligence uh, with existing security camera technology, ultimately to detect weapons uh, and ultimately send alerts to local staff and first responders to potentially negate uh, dangerous, situations, save lives. Uh, the company uh, delivers what they call proactive, human-verified artificial intelligence gun detection solutions uh, that integrate really nicely into existing security cameras to ultimately stop this, you know, the wrath of, of mass shootings, of gun-related violence that we say, ultimately by reducing response times, uh, helping to provide actual intelligence, and delivering, again, clarity to, to save lives. And it is the Zero Eyes is the only uh, AI-based gun detection uh, platform. Platform with the United States Department of Homeland Security Safety Act as a nation, uh, prior to. The founding Zero Eyes, Mr. Leif served as the director of digital programs at Comcast NBC Universal. There he oversaw the coordination between uh, project management teams and software development teams, delivering uh, numerous digital products. And before uh, joining Comcast, uh, Mr. Leaf was the managing member of uh, Horseman Partners, which was a private equity fund focused on uh, the acquisition of small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, Mr. Leaf also spent 10 years in the U.S. Navy. Uh, six of those served as an Navy SEAL, and during service, he received uh, numerous medals, including the uh, Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal, the Navy Good Conduct Medal, uh, the Global War on Terrorism Medal, the National Defense Service Medal, NATO Medal, uh, and many others. Uh, Mr. Leaf holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Admin and Finance from Columbia College, his MBA in Private Equity and Venture Capital from here at the Wharton School at Penn, and we're honored to have him with us today. Uh, Mike Leaf, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show
1: yeah! Thanks for having me on. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, no, it's great to have you, Mike. I um I would love to start things off uh, as we typically do, uh, just by handing you the floor for a little bit to talk a little bit more about you. I mean, you've been on this amazing journey of of national service, of uh, private equity, of entrepreneurship. Now, talk a little bit about the beginning, if you would. Um, take us. A- Back to where you grew up, how you got interested in uh in national service and a little of that early journey. That'd be a great way to start things off.
1: Yeah, I mean, born and raised here in Philadelphia. Um, I grew up playing in the woods, I was in Boy Scouts, I grew up hunting. Uh my my neither of my parents served, but their parents did. Their their fathers. Uh had an aunt that served and an uncle. Um but the military always stuck out to me. I, I just was always pretty fascinated with it when I was a kid. I loved going to like air shows, et cetera. I was playing in the woods with my friends growing up, all dressed up in camouflage. And then it was in fourth, fifth grade timeframe. I got in trouble for sometimes a knucklehead when I was growing up, but I got in trouble. And so I couldn't watch TV. I was punished from TV. So my mom was like, my parents were like, go read a book. And my mom took me to the local I think it was B. Dalton bookseller, it might have been Barnes and Noble, but oh, you yeah, can yeah. see them that much anymore. I remember them. Yeah. And I picked a book out because on the cover of it was a guy painted in camouflage, hiding in the jungle. And there was a big navy gold navy seal trident on it. And the book was called Men Behind the Trident. And it was about Vietnam frogmen. And uh I had no idea what a frogman was or a navy seal at the time, but I took that book and I just devoured it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And then a couple, like within a year, the movie Navy SEALs came out with Charlie Sheen. And I was like, oh, that's it, done. And mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty funny. So I actually wrote in my sixth grade yearbook. Uh, you had to write in your sixth grade yearbook in 20 years, I will be dot dot dot. And everyone wrote, like, they're gonna be playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, the Phillies, the Eagles. I wrote, I'll be United States Navy SEAL working on top secret missions, and I'm gonna help reduce crime and poverty. Uh, or crime and pollution by 70%. Why I picked that number, I have no idea. And nice so, number. I totally forgot that I wrote that. And when I went and graduated SEAL training, my parents, one of my friends I grew up with, was around the time as parents were cleaning out their attic or something, came across it, and they were all sitting around laughing, reading like all my grade school buddies, like what they were going to be doing in 20 years and kind of where they're at now. And then they read mine and were like, Holy shit. And they gave the the book to my dad, and then when I went uh, when I graduated, my dad handed me my sixth grade yearbook, which I haven't seen in you know twenty years, and I was like, "Whoa, that's pretty crazy." But uh, so that's how I grew up. So when I was I was in college when nine eleven happened, and I wasn't doing much. I was a knucklehead. Uh, I, I was I did okay in school. I didn't apply myself. Uh, and then when 9/11 happened, it was roughly a year after that. I was like, that. It took me about a year to finally like get my shit together and say, this is it. I'm I'm dropped out of college. I'm going to go and listen to Navy. That's what I did.
0: Man, that's that's awesome. And and it goes without saying, thank you, uh, obviously for for your long service to to the country and protecting us uh, along the way. So I I appreciate you uh, you giving us some of that background, Mike. Um, you know ultimately you know few of us um you know have the um experience and, and obviously the situations that you lived through uh, as a, a special operator as a navy seal um but clearly you know you saw things in terms of active shooter situations that were quite different um than than obviously what we have Back on the homeland, and but nonetheless equally, uh, I guess you know, strange and 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 violent in their own you know sense. You know, you're off killing Bin Laden and doing other important uh, special ops stuff, uh, and here we have, you know, nutty people going into schools and churches and concerts and and so forth, shooting up a bunch of people. Um, obviously, there's a lot of parallels. Can, can you talk just a little bit about? How some of your experience uh, as a special operator, as a Navy SEAL in very unique active shooter situations got you thinking a bit about doing something about it back here on the homeland?
1: Yeah. Um, one, I just want to clarify something. I did not go on a bin Laden raid and I did not shoot bin Laden. But yes, uh, I wish I was part of that, but um, I wasn't. The. um so, as a special operator overseas, you know, you have to go, or any soldier really, but you, you're constantly going in um, places that you're not really wanted. And you have to, you know, you have a, a, an objective, a mission objective, if it's to capture someone or blow up a ID factory or whatever. And before we ever went out on a mission, um, you would have intel. You would have intelligence. You would have pictures of the people, the layout, maps. You look at all this different intelligence packages that came along. So you would put yourself in the best possible position to win whatever you were going into um, to the point that you wanted to cheat. And so, uh, and I cheat, just quote unquote, It's you just want to have the upper hand because you want to come home with all your teammates, right? You want to get the mission done, but you also all want to come home and after i left the military this 2013 i was in business school 2014 2015 then i was at horseman partners but when i was home all the time it was and nothing's changed since columbine happened in 1999 when i was a senior in high school um but every time you turn on the news there's another school shooting uh so much there's so many of them that a lot of them don't even make the news anymore, which is really disturbing. Man. But um, And so I and I have four kids and we kept seeing them and me and the other co-founders we would sit around and talk about different business ideas and, and be like, man, what, what problem can we solve? Because you're going to go start a business. You have to solve a problem for someone. And we were like, man, we someone needs to do something about this active shooter thing people have been talking about making things change since columbine 1999 here we are 23 24 years later nothing's changed it's only gotten worse and when we're sitting there looking at it we're like okay it's a really terrible situation you got some nutbag that decides to go shoot up a a school a a church a synagogue a mall whatever military base at their hospital pick your pick your location and it's happened everywhere in the united states but it seems very random and it's just like people kind of throw their hands up like oh, nothing we could do as long as there's guns, you know, this is just going to keep happening. And I was like, all right, well, we're not going to, guns aren't going to be outlawed anytime soon in the United States. Um, so it was like, all right, how do we do something? I was like trying to really look at the problem big, what can we do? So then you would look at like the response times and the response time, the average response time to these events is, like 15, 18 minutes, which is an eternity when bullets are flying. Um, Especially when there's people injured, laying on the ground and bleeding. And you want to get there as soon as possible. So we're like, how do we we shift the timeline to the left? How do we give more time back to the people that are responding, to the victims, to the people that are there so they could get the safety? And we're like, well, how do we stop the shooter before the shooter even starts? And if you look at a lot of these events, what we started seeing was that they have the guns out in the open very early on. Um, not every time, but a lot of the times they do. Because uh, you think about the type of mentality of a person that wants to go inflict as much damage as they can. They're they're not thinking like a normal human being. There's obviously something not right, and they don't care. They just don't care. They want people to see them. They want it to be like, "Oh, look at me! I'm the big bad villain. I'm coming to get all of you now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my payback." And so, when we were looking at that, we were like, "Wait, there's security cameras everywhere. People can do facial recognition. Why don't we just focus on detecting guns? Because then, once that gun is detected, boom, you can send that alert out and you get that alert to first responders." That help and, and to the people that are on campus or at, you know local, so they can start getting people away to safety and help direct the people in. And then you got the first responders coming. And why it's key for the first responders, it's actionable intelligence. Right. They know what the person's going to look like. They know what type of what is it a pistol or is it a rifle? Is there how many shooters are out? Oh, there's only one shooter, and that's this type of information is going to ease the first responders. They still have a very tough job to do. Their heart rate's going to be up. They're going to have the sweaty palms. They're going to get in tunnel vision when they're responding. But having more intelligence before going in, having okay. more descriptions, and they know exactly where they're at, you're going to decrease the response time, and then you can save lives. And so that's drawing those parallels. Every time we were overseas, it was like, oh, we want more intel. We it more intel. Well, let's get the first responders more intel before they just show up blindly at one of these. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and continuing now off of that, because you know you've put together this this amazing team at the company. Obviously, you you needed to assemble folks with your backgrounds and, and understanding sort of every possible scenario. Um, but at the same time, you know you're bringing in these advanced tools and AI. I don't need to say. I mean, is it, it's, it's such the hot topic nowadays, and we've had the honor of having uh, folks on from various, you know, areas of the military. I had Admiral Selby on the other day from Office of Naval Research talking about artificial intelligence, you know, directed energy that sees the you know, the drones coming towards the aircraft carrier is it, uh, fifty miles out. When do we fire the Phalanx gun and all that stuff? You're dealing now with stuff a lot closer. <laughs> yeah. Talk a little bit about. Sort of, you know, obviously you got to bring in—not I'm saying the, the nerds that know the AI really well—but talk about merging those cultures together because you're dealing with 2023 technology plus, you know, all the cool stuff that you know. Talk about what it's been like to sort of build this from the ground up and integrate sort of these different sort of tool sets that you need to get this done.
1: Yeah, it's <clears throat> to, to have good AI computer vision model what. what no matter what type of ai field it falls into um, i'm going to focus on computer vision cuz that's where where we're at um you need good data if you don't have good data and if you don't have a good annotation team that is constantly scrubbing your data set and 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 being very very disciplined about it you're going to have crappy ai uh if you and for our use case if you have a bad computer vision model you're going to get Lots of false positives. And then not only that, you're going to increase the likelihood of getting a false negative, which is we'll deal with false positives all day long because we put a human in the loop. I, we could get annihilated by them. It's OK. We could take that. It's the false negative that we're we're worried about. So you want to have um, really good data. And early on in the company, what we realized was. All right, well, we need good data. How are we going to get good data? We had to make it and create it ourselves. All the data that goes into our computer vision models, we create it in-house. It's proprietary to us. How we annotate, how we segment the data, all the different attributes that we we come across when it comes to like lighting, distance, type of camera, et cetera. We track all of that so we could see what levers we can pull so we could get better detections So we decreased the likelihood of a false negative while also trying to decrease false positives. And it's that constant balance. Um, The good thing about bringing folks in from merging the two worlds of, you know, technologists and and military veterans that want to make a difference. um, It was, I'm not going to say easy. That would be the wrong word, but merging those two worlds, with a common mission, um, people that want to go do good and want to do something. It was. It's not easy, but it would, it helps when you have a really good mission and vision, um, so you can rally everyone around what you're trying to do. And you know the, what the veterans brought to the table, at least early on, um, is the teamwork, the leadership, the communication skills, not being timid to go out and try something new and put their put their name and reputation on the line and we had to do a lot of testing we had to go out and film ourselves in all these different areas we had to really put it out there while we had you know the uh technologies that we have with us they loved it because they were riding side by side with us and we're like hey we could do x y and z we would have some good ideas and they're like yeah we could make that a reality and like going back and forth and whiteboarding sessions together because i mean computer vision has been around for a very long time or it's not like it just popped up in the last 10 years but what what we're seeing now is um the processing power needed and the cost of that to to put this at scale has significantly come down over over the years um the being able to train models and using a processing p- power for that has gotten easier and easier, uh, um, more accessibility to the right technology that you need to make that happen and the right hardware. And there's all these great theories out there. You know, you got super smart PhDs working on all this stuff and it looks great in a textbook or a classroom setting, but when you go take it to the real world where the rubber meets the road, things will start to fall apart and, Mm -hmm. and, and we the, the vets and, and the people that we brought in the company that weren't those technologists in the beginning really helped take that from the whiteboard to reality.
0: Outstanding, outstanding. Yeah, I mean, you've been... Um clearly uh extremely successful I mean you have a bunch of uh use cases uh that you you know you go through on the website and we'll put the links in the bio uh, talking about educational facilities commercial government and then you know you you, you parse these by indoor and potential outdoor applications um, big partners Subaru here uh, in North America FedEx DHL and um I'd love you to talk a little bit about some of the I mean obviously nothing confidential here but um one of the things I sort of gleaned on the site was you know you have these um very large footprint facilities that are out there whether they're the auto manufacturers or in the case of you know mail sorting um where you got a very large sort of uh groundwork to cover but uh you know um you know you have to be very specific that, uh, that you're highlighting the right people amongst this big workforce um could, could you say a few words about some of these commercial uh successes that you've had because i think they're quite interesting to uh as, as an example of you know the types of adoption that you're that you saw early on in the in, in terms of the company
1: uh, you just mean for the type of clients that we?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if you could talk a little bit about just sort of, you know, because you're obviously being very successful getting these clients uh, on board. So anything you talk about there.
1: I mean, it's just it, it, it's a signal of what's going what's wrong with the United States and what's going on. So rewind back time a little bit. Started the company in 2018, got an MVP out fairly quickly, but it was super looking back on that MVP. It's pretty embarrassing um got but got it to a beta site heads down focus there for a year working on a couple you know being able to scale to multiple cameras and being agnostic to those cameras being able to run inference across all those cameras with a computer vision model that will detect guns that we wanted to um and then great now we're creating alerts who's getting those alerts and how they're going to receive them um that was like our three biggest objectives And then that took a while. I mean, we're still working to this day. It's always, it's never complete. Like we're, our engineering teams are always working on it always improving and finding the the, the tweaks. And we started off in schools because that's what we got tired of seeing school shootings. We're like, we want to, we don't want to see another kid get shot. Like this is nuts. And so we're focused on schools, started landing some early customers, you know, 2019, 2020, and then COVID hit. Well, guess what? no schools were in session and they went into a holding pattern. But what happened in the U S was there was lines three, four five blocks long to gun stores to the point where they sold out of assault rifles. Like we sold out of assault rifles in the United States. People were very worried that, you know, the world was going to the shit very quickly, like zombie, apocalypse style or something. And then, then you had all these things going on with like, defunding the police and the fight against police and then so the police you see pull back in a lot of these cities um which is very unfortunate and that all merged into this perfect storm of gun violence like it's an unfortunate perfect storm but that's basically what it is to gun violence at levels that we've never seen in the united states and it's it's horrendous then schools come so when the schools were out that was happening we started Going out to conferences, and you know, we were doing a lot of live demos, and we're making a name for ourselves. And uh, we got into a position during COVID because there wasn't employees at a lot. A lot of these places, they're like, "Hey, can you guys come and install and test while we don't really have anyone here?" So we can see we're you know we're worried about the disgruntled employee or you know uh, an active shooter unfolding at our place. And so we were like, yeah, of course. And then so we started landing commercial clients. And it was every, everywhere from a, a warehouse to a corporate campus to office buildings to shopping malls. And then schools came back online and then school shooting started again. And then we had those three. But then you also have active shooters on military bases. And so we started going in a military basis. And I mean, if you look at the history of active shooters, mass shootings, just, even just in the last 10 years, it's everywhere. It's, there's, it's not in like one. Pl- Everyone talks about the schools because it's terrible, but mm. it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: I, it's sad that we need your product, but I'm glad that, you know, it's being adopted this quickly. And I love to see companies like yours, you know, that, you know, have such, you know, they've only been around a couple of years, but you're getting the clients and it's, you know, I you know, tell people,
1: just, I'm like, <laughs> Hey, if we get rid of active shooters, mass shootings, like there's no more. Right. We want. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to, the business is gone? Fine. I don't, I mean, right. but guess what? We, we want. I'll find something else to do. Right.
0: <laughs> what about the, um, because you also sort of parse on the websites so or the outdoor indoors um, potential, you know, applications. And I, th- you know, obviously I don't follow them all, but I do remember, as you were mentioning Columbine, you know, um, Columbine started, outside and there was a bunch of shooting and then ultimately it got to the school i think the same thing sandy hook um can can you say a few words about that because it it seems like you know your if your technology can you know stop things from getting in the schools and what are any i guess just some of the unique issues that come with with the indoor outdoor component of developing this technology
1: yeah it's it's the real reason why we say indoor outdoor well, on our website is just for, for customers uh, just because some people are like, Oh, I just want to put it on exterior cameras. And it's like, no, you kind of want it on both. And here's why that, that it's not every situation. Uh, a large majority of the time, it, it all starts in a parking lot. The person has to go like Sandy hook started out in a parking lot in a fire. He parked his car in a fire lane, Uh park lane. Yeah. He carried it in a bag into a stairwell, and then he was inside the stairwell on a video camera. Pulls the gun out of the bag, and he takes takes some time there, messing with his gun, probably pumping himself up mentally until he steps in the hallway to pull the fire alarm. Uvaldi start out with crashes truck, moved his way across the parking lot. Um, you see this time and time again. Uh, however, there's those instances where it does start from inside. Or say, hey, you did get in a perfect world for zero eyes is. The person's out in the parking lot. We get a detection before shots are fired, get the alert out, and they apprehend the individual before anyone is hurt. Perfect world for us, but we don't live in a perfect world. Um, I hope that does happen one day. I truly do think it will happen, but all the other types of scenarios are going to happen. We're going to experience them, too, where, yeah, maybe you do get the alert outside, but he you're moving so that person's moving so fast they're already inside the building you still need to know where they're going in that building and you want to be on those cameras in there to get to detection because when 9 receiving all their frantic phone calls they could get that zero wise alert now now they could be like five ten white male assault rifle northeast corner of the main building first floor that was the last camera alert and that's critical because when the police are responding they have no idea what they're going into it could be a hundred acre campus. It could be a 10 acre campus. That's still a large piece of land and a lot of buildings to work through. And you need to get them right to where the threat was the last known location. Um, because without zero eyes now, people are just getting, they're getting, the, the first responders are getting their information from 911, but the 911's getting their information from a bunch of frantic phone callers. People that are like, Hey, i uh, there's someone shooting like whispering or they're saying there's multiple shooters and there's when there's really only one, or they're giving them the wrong They're giving them the wrong location. Um, and so we're just trying to mitigate the the fog of war, the confusion that comes in, in these scenarios. So the indoor outdoor thing, it, we should be on both with our client. Actually, I don't think I think out of all of our clients right now. Yeah. They all do indoor outdoor. None of them just do outdoor or just indoor they they get it you want camera coverage right
0: right
1: i, I just you know i, I thought i thought i'd ask about that just because
0: as you were saying there's um yeah, so, so many unique <laughs> dynamics in each of these situations um mike in, in the case of that and and obviously you know this is the, the the zero eyes platform is the core of this but obviously i guess you you have strategy sessions thinking of sort of uh where else this all goes and you know i was um uh I, obviously the ideal situation is that you isolate this case you make the, the call is made and the, the proper first responders come um you know I, I had uh right down the road here in philly also a couple months ago i had this uh this company on from a, a group called ghost robotics which is oh doing yeah they really work cool with them. things yeah. exactly um and again you know obviously ideal if you know you can get a, a live person there to to be that first responder and interfere um as, as you think out about this obviously you know you know we probably don't have the robotic dogs jumping out with the with their little sniper rifles and all that stuff yet but um where, where do you think this potential all goes into? Because, you know, we're here in the era of AI, as you're mentioning, but we got autonomy and and human robotics pairing and all this other neat stuff happening. Where would you like to see this ultimately evolve in terms of some of these other technologies that could potentially synergize with what you're doing at Eyes?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's about Saving time to save lives in these events. So particularly for zero wise. So right now, yeah, we get the alert out. Our our clients, local staff and local security, they receive it through the desktop and mobile app notification. And it gives them that information. So they can focus on getting people to safety and getting a response there as soon as possible. Simultaneously, it goes to 911. So the 911 and that's our partnership with Rapid SOS and that 911 operator now could give the right information to the first responders over their, their cop mic communications. Um, but they still have to respond. Like, yeah, we're decreasing the response time there. But my, my thought process is, how can we even take more time out? Like, what's so? If you have a basically a drone in a box at one of these locations, the alert goes off, real alert goes off, and it you know that allows the drone that triggers the drone to autonomously fly to that geo location from that alert, and. Then it could sit there and it could be another camera on that individual to keep track of them because they might go into an area where there's no fixed point security cameras. And so we keep that live feed going um, and simultaneously distract that person. If you could distract them even for a couple seconds, that could be the difference between life and death for many people. Yeah. And so that's where we see that going. Um, and the military you know, applications that come with that to help protect our 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 soldiers and airmen, sailors, et cetera. Excellent. Mike, you,
0: you were recently, um, you, you received an award, uh, from the Philly Business Journal, uh, as a an extremely important veteran of influence and, and your company, uh, has, has hired dozens, dozens of veterans. Can you just talk a little bit about, uh, obviously the importance of, of hiring veterans, but also sort of the, um, you know, defense tech in general, um, has become a very hot area, as you know, in sort of the private equity space and sort of the, uh, this, connection that we now see between um, startups and and our defense department getting involved in investing in uh, defense tech startups uh, uh, veterans based businesses and so forth say a few words about that because i think there's an incredible sort of potential here for um sort of the development of this whole space out uh beyond you know you know
1: where we are today yeah there's a lot to unpack here. So yeah. I'll start with one. One we love hiring veterans. We have you know 130 people in our company probably over 70 veterans right now. Some are still on you know reservists and they go do their one week in a month, two weeks a year. Um, some are completely out. And and then we work with people that are on active duty that come over as an intern and then we hire them as they transition out and you know having that bridge for veterans so they know they have a a place they can go to and there's a mission for them is very important for transitioning vets Um, and you get I mean I know just from my experience being in the military they might not have the skills that you need in the business at that time but. They're, you can train them and you know you can train them and they have the soft skills that everyone needs in a good company communication teamwork leadership no one to be a leader no one to step back and be a follower know how to communicate across teams put their ego set their ego aside um, so to get the mission done and that's that's important so that that was the one thing about veterans Then you think about the just defense tech and AI and everything in general oils dominated the last several decades of uh, world powers, right? It's like w- what's going on with oil. In the future, you're going to see that with all the chips that have to go into AI, because whoever's dominating AI, uh, unfortunately, is that's what's going to win on the battlefield uh, in the future, and uh, you're going to see that being more and more important. The problem with the defense tech industry today, it's very slow to adopt and to get through, you have all these great startups out there working on super cool tech that can really help, uh, on the battlefield. And, um, it just because of the bureaucracy and everything that you see coming out of the Pentagon and and the red tape to get this adopted and into the hands of the people that can use it on the battlefield takes years. Uh, And there's a lot of people out there doing good work to try to, you know, decrease that time. But, Time is of the essence when you think about that. And so I think you're going to see a lot of changes in that over the next couple of years. People are really starting to grasp that. I just hope we're not too far behind the curve against other other folks in the world. Got it. Got it. What, uh, Mike, what's coming up
0: for 2023? Um, uh, conferences that you're going to be presenting at, uh, places that we could see you, meet you um, in the Philadelphia area or you be
1: traveling. Anything else hot coming up, uh, please take the floor. Oh, um you know, I have to look at our conference schedule. We actually decided to scale back on a lot of conferences this year because they're expensive, a lot of time, and then you got to send your team out there. And so we went to a lot over the last like year and a half, two years. And then because we were trying to figure out which ones we really want to just put all of our eggs in, I have to figure out which ones they are. Um, you know, I'll be down at the Wharton ETA conference, uh, awesome. a few other ones, but. I'll let you know after. I can't think of any off the top of my head at the moment that are really uh, sticking out to me that we'll, we'll be at. We, we go to a lot of the security conferences. You'll see us at the AI conferences, et cetera, like the, the, the typical ones. You'll you'll see some zero eyes representation there for sure.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then just one thing, I mean, the name of the company, I... I um... Uh, I was, you know, I was talking. To, I don't know if you saw the episode I did with John Sherman at the Pentagon um, recently. Where he was going through all this concept of zero trust and this whole new ten billion dollar sort of system they're building down there. Zero eyes. It, I mean, I, I assume it just means that there's no eyes on the <laughs> but the AI is doing all the work. But does it have another meaning beyond that?
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, it's kind of two, twofold. So yeah, you got that meaning, and it was also coming back to. Uh, in the military, when you're doing cryptology, like you, you're putting crypto into a radio or anything that or yeah. you want to wipe crypto, you want to wipe crypto, you would turn it and it looked like uh, we called the zine out the radios, turn it to okay. zero eyes because it was like looks like two eyes together. And it was it was kind of a play on the military crypto background into AI to zero eyes. You got the AI. Scan, so it was kind of and we just thought it sounded cool.
0: No, yeah, it's it's very cool. <laughs> I have <to> say that. <laughs> I was just like, I wonder if it's connected to what the, the zero trust the architecture.
1: But whatever. I did <laughs> not come up with the name personally. There was a, another guy that came up with it, and we loved it around with him. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it, it it's an awesome name. No, it's um really
0: really great stuff, Mike. Um, I, I just you know, as I said I I I love seeing young companies grow as quickly. Uh, I mean, as, again, it's a, it's a shame we need this service, but uh, the fact that, you know, you're developing it and you're getting it out there, I just, I'll root you on uh, until, you know, until there are no more mass shootings, and and, and it's just really, really great stuff. Um, again, for everybody that uh, is going to be listening to this particular episode of our show uh, across the podcast networks or watching on the YouTube channel, uh, again, you've been listening to uh, Michael LaHeef, Chairman, Chief Executive Executive Officer of Zero Eyes. Uh, we will put the the link to the company in the uh, bio of the show when we go live. But uh, Mike, I want to thank you for you know taking your time out of your schedule to come talk to us a little while about everything you're doing. Obviously, thanks you for doing it, and obviously, thank you for your long uh, history of service to the country. And as we like to say on our show here, you know, thanks for helping to create a better tomorrow uh, and a safer tomorrow for all of us. via what you're doing, it's a really great story.
1: Awesome, thank you. Appreciate you having me on.